think it's like it's, it's back to that alignment piece. It's so it's so important to share as much as you can with with all of the teams. Like if, if there's context in decisions, it makes it much easier to execute and execute effectively. Welcome to RevOps Rockstars in pursuit of unicorns. I'm David Carnes. And I'm Jaren Chu. Join us as we interview RevOps leaders to explore the challenges they have faced, the biggest lessons they've learned, and what they think makes a RevOps rockstar. This show is brought to you by OpFocus on a mission to help companies run their businesses better by letting you focus on growth while we scale your operations. Let's get this show on the road. Today's guest on the podcast is a high caliber leader at a high growth company. He has a proven track record of developing go-to-market strategies and has led RevOps at a number of companies. Today's guest is SVP of Revenue Operations and Partnerships at Apollo.io. Henry Mizell, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So Henry, we're really curious, what is something in RevOps that you've had to learn the hard way? I think I mean, most most things uh, are generally learned the hard way. Um, uh, I think early on, just how how critical it is to drive alignment across all like go to market teams and product teams. Um, if if everyone's aligned around definitions, metrics, strategies, initiatives, like the job becomes exponentially easier to do. And so, how do you herd the cats to do that? Keep beating a continuous drum. Um, Great, a lot of transparency and enablement. I understand the audience you're speaking to, um, and and that's kind of multi-dimensional, right? Like at the higher executive team, all the way down. Like, are you speaking to people that are really technical? Are you speaking to uh, kind of non-technical folks? Um, and like translating in the simplistic way possible what is generally quite complex um, themes and and and, uh, and, and definitions. What I've heard recently is that Apollo has really been growing like a rocket ship. Um, the company provides buyer data, uh, buyer data for sales teams. You've recently, just last month, announced a very impressive one hundred million dollars Series D, and I think that officially takes Apollo uh, Apollo's valuation to one point six billion and is officially a unicorn. Congratulations! Woo-hoo! That's amazing. In your own words, I'd love to hear what you describe Apollo to really be doing? And what does that latest round of funding mean for you and the team? Yeah, so I think um, Apollo, I guess like the way the way I always try to articulate it is we're a go-to-market solution for sales and marketing teams. We have a huge, huge user base. So 500,000 companies, little over 3 million uh, users. And really that, like the all-in-one platform enables um, both the sales intelligence side, so kind of data prospecting, sales engagement side. So how do you kind of then engage with those uh, with those prospects? How do you email them? How do you run them through those kind of automated prospecting loops? And then the automation to do that as well. And that's all in one platform. Um, so it really does make operationalizing a company's go-to-market very simple, very straightforward, um, and, and then creates more productivity and, and more efficiency for those teams. Um, it's like it's like having Zoom Info and Outreach rolled into one platform with all the automation on top. And let's take it in 
more personally for your RevOps team with the new funding that is available and also the corresponding growth expectations. What is the current sized uh, RevOps teams you're working with and how do you see its purview or its size growing with the latest injection Mm -hmm. of funding? Yeah, so we're a team of 23 at the moment. We have a few open hires. Um, and really the way that I build RevOps teams is firstly to be centralized um, at the executive layer. So like kind of plugging in as kind of functional peers to both like the product growth and, and go-to-market teams. And then within RevOps, we have three pillars. Um, one is your strategy and go-to-market operations. One is your go-to-market uh, stack, a revenue stack. Um, so all the systems um, and tooling. And then the third is the BI analytics or so central analytics insights as well as operational analytics that feed back into the, the, the go-to-market teams to enable them to, to kind of run their tactical day-to-day uh, initiatives. It's grown from about team of one to two and a bit years ago when I joined. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty rapid growing team. Very, very high output, which is, which is awesome. That is incredible. And I, I kind of want to just dig in one step deeper and say, like, how do you hire so quickly, right? Especially to find not only people who have, let's say, Salesforce certifications or whatever, which seems to be everyone. Um, how do you really find good people who are the right fit for your RevOps team? And I'm guessing they're all over uh, the country, if not around the world as well. What are What's your process for finding the right people to add to your RevOps team? Yeah, we have a very distributed team. Um, I think of the 23 folks, I think there's probably 16 or 17 different states um, in the US. So very, very distributed. Um, in terms of practically finding, um, we we do use Apollo. It's a, it's a very good tool for sourcing. Um, in terms of skill set, just hire like the highest talent density people we, we can find wherever they are um, and, and hire people and give them a ton of autonomy to, to go and execute. What a great use case. I love hearing how folks are using the tool that they're working on internally and drinking their own champagne. So that's that's really awesome. As you're growing, I'm guessing there's probably a calculus you have in, in your mind or that you've given to your team around how you balance which roles to hire in-house versus which roles to bring on consultants for or have an external team that you can kind of increase or decrease bandwidth based on needs, what do you use to determine that right balance of what you do in-house versus what you might outsource Mm -hmm. or even offshore? Yeah, I think staff augmentation, offshore, external resource um, can be be very effective. I think where it comes in, certainly in my mind, is, is the zero to one. Um, so when you're trying to stand up something completely new, that's where it's really helpful. You can tap into experience um, in, in kind of multiple companies and, and, and kind of collect those learnings early on. I think beyond that, you you end up building a reliance that can become quite costly to unpack. And then what often happens is that person or that company that you're bringing in um, they, they can struggle a lot between context switching between multiple customers. So when you get into kind of the, the kind of the, the weeds a bit and the details, um, it can be, it can be slightly less efficient. So I tend to err more on like hiring, um, for the big strategic, uh, initiatives, but ones that will run for kind of many years and, and can support teams and orgs. 
Yeah, I love that nuance you mentioned around, you know, knowing and acknowledging that obviously external vendors and consultants are likely working with multiple companies and they have to do that context switching. You did mention in the zero to one case where you're trying to stand up something completely new, you might rely externally on experts or other folks who've done it before. Are there projects you've encountered, be that at Apollo or in other places where you've thought, this is definitely something we don't want to do alone. Like this is something we need to make sure we have external support on um, just so that we avoid the uh, pitfalls and potholes and make sure we stand it up correctly the first time. Yeah, I think um, early days of, of uh, my tenure at Apollo, um, one of the big objectives was to stand up a kind of analytics data warehouse and business intelligence tool. So we did use a firm to, to help us get from that kind of zero to one but then relatively quickly bought it in-house and I have a phenomenal BI leader and BI team um, uh, who, who have kind of taken that on and, and really developed it into, into a world-class instance. Amazing. And I know you mentioned earlier that that's already one of your um, three areas of how you structure your RevOps team. So that's super yeah. exciting. Um, speaking of being uh, bringing roles in-house, because of your latest round of funding, I'm guessing you might be hiring. What roles might be open, and would you want to give a pitch for it while you're on the podcast? Yeah, we have a we have a few roles within the RevOps team. Uh, we have a lot of roles across the whole company, particularly in the kind of product engineering R and D side. Um, specific to my org, I'm hiring two ops leaders, so a marketing op marketing ops director um, and a sales ops director. Uh, we're also hiring um, in BI for a, a kind of senior analytics engineer. Um, and then I also lead our partnerships team. So we're hiring two partner managers there. Uh, you've got your hands full with the hiring. That's fantastic. Yeah, keeps me busy. Yeah, that's but great. It's fun. It's fun. So Henry, your title is SVP Revenue Operations and Partnerships. What does your day-to-day -day entail? Uh, yeah, I mean... It's hard to, I, I wouldn't say any, any one day is, is, is the same as another. I think in the same way I've set up my team, it probably breaks down into three areas. So you've got your kind of strategic uh, planning, um, you have your system and process piece, and then your kind of proactive insights. Um, I think on the strategic planning, that's obviously more uh, seasonal. We're all in planning season right now. So there's a ton of work going on there. Um, Obviously, with a with a large team, there's a lot of just, just general team management and kind of planning within the department, uh, uh, process optimization. So, like this is kind of more continuous one, but really like trying to proactively identify where teams are, are blocked or where there's bottlenecks or where there's inefficiencies. We can automate a lot of that away. We just, that that generally flows through to increase productivity and efficiency within the go to market teams. Um, ident like the insights piece is huge. Like if we're proactively identifying insights and new levers that go to market and product teams can pull on to drive that productivity and, and efficiency. That's really how RevOps can help drive the company forward. Um, technology and tools, we have a we have a very large uh, go to market team. So our, our kind of revenue stack is evolving and growing, um, making sure we select the right ones that fit both the strategy and the existing architecture is key. Um, and then stakeholder management, a lot of stakeholder management. So given all that, how do you measure success in your role? Um, I think it depends. So 
like ultimately achieving company goals um or as you kind of move into the individual squads like the squad or departmental goals for that internal stakeholder um ultimately if Apollo continues to do well and grow then we're doing our job well and I, I kind of like in a more abstract way like I mentioned earlier if the company is aligned around strategy definitions um data then I, I think RevOps is doing a good job that's always a good barometer so I'm really curious. We we talked earlier about you taking this round of funding. You have a number of roles open. How do you plan? Are you partnering with the CFO or somebody who's an FBNA to plan out the future of the structure of the team? How does that process work? Yeah, so we have a we have an extremely uh, strong finance org with um, with a, a really great FBNA team. Um, that, that RevOps works very closely with in that in that planning cycle. So whether that's kind of departmental budgets, whether that's like aligning uh, bottoms up modeling to their kind of top down planning, um, whether it's trying to set goals around um, new product launches or initiatives, um, and then really kind of setting efficiency thresholds. So like what is like a lot of our growth um, has been done so with an extremely like, efficient uh, mindset and so making sure we continue that where where appropriate um, is, is where we partner very closely with finance. So, so Henry, uh, it seems inevitable given the level that your team is operating at and the, and the size uh, and pace of growth. Uh, what would be some examples of corporate cross-functional initiatives that your team might own that supports the broader organization? Yeah, I think Quarter to quarter, very the, the varies. There's a there's a lot of uh, initiatives that we're we're plugged into um, across all of RevOps. I think two that really kind of spring to mind right now. One is our automated SDR program. So I have a guy uh, that leads my growth ops, uh, Casey, um, and he he's driving our kind of automated SDR. And really, what that is is leveraging Apollo, um, kind of really drinking our own champagne, and then operationalizing that with not just demographic signals, but product signals as well, so that we can trigger automated emails in a really timely, personalized way to uh, to the install base, to signups, to users, um, and, and try and engage with them in a way that creates pipeline for sales. And last quarter, I think that program drove about, I think it was 1,002 uh, meetings for sales from effectively one person's efforts. That's incredible. Uh, it must be really quite something to be at that forefront of the automated SDR uh, movement. We are having lots of conversations about that and how technology can solve it. Uh, it must be very gratifying to have a solution that your team is producing. Uh, be able yeah, to take I mean, it's testament to, I think, our product team. Like They've built such a strong sales engagement tool um, that when you layer that in with the kind of Apollo's uh, B2B database, and then you layer that in with your CRM and you can kind of pump CDP data in. Like it, it really gives you a, a very unique, very powerful tool to use um, to, to kind of really drive that top funnel. So Henry, I'd love to shift gears. Uh, one of the most popular topics, whether it's on the podcast or webinars that we do or other events that we host, is the interfacing that RevOps leaders do with their boards. 
Uh, can you share your own experience within Apollo for uh, your interaction with your board? Yeah, so we have we have monthly board meetings, which uh, which which are great. Um, RevOps works extremely closely with the finance team, so building out the board deck, um, the kind of metrics, the insights, the data to populate that. Um, there is a I, I generally attend most of the board meetings as well, so RevOps does have a, a kind of seat at that table. Um, and I think that's really helpful, both in feedback loop to the RevOps team and the broader company in terms of like how the, like what we're talking about at that board level, as well as being able to share kind of insights and opinions and, uh, and breakdowns of the data. So what I, what I think is really great about what you just shared, we hope for all of the RevOps teams that we partner with to have a seat at the leadership table and always understand the why behind the you know the the corporate decisions that are made that you know come downstream and impact revops you're sharing that revops has a seat at the board at, at the board meetings uh which is really outstanding so you've gone a level uh, beyond yeah i mean i think it's like it's back to that alignment piece it's so it's so important to share as much as you can with with all of the teams like if, if there's context in decisions it makes it much easier to execute and execute effectively how about your team's involvement with the prep of board materials uh yeah so again partnered with finance really closely there um it's a lot of it is automated now um in a in a kind of uh typical robot sense so we have um a lot of that fed from our BI tool from our from our warehouse into into our board deck, and then we kind of work cross functionally with product and growth teams in putting the narrative together. I I want to ask um, a follow up question to what you just mentioned regarding wanting to make sure not only that RevOps has a seat at the table, but also you're sharing as much as possible with as many teams as possible. I want to get specific about the board meeting though. There is oversharing of information where it's no longer relevant or it's no longer um, consumable for the board members. You know, they're kind of thinking at a certain level. And of course, there's a lot of operational details that we have visibility and access to. Can you share a bit around how you what are the questions you ask yourself when you're preparing for that board deck and when you're presenting those details to the board around what to share and how? Any tips on just the way you filter uh, the information you're providing? Yeah, I think it's it's just like I mentioned earlier, it's knowing your audience. Um, like every board's makeup is going to be different. The appetite for understanding and like the level of detail is going to be different. Um, I've been here, I've been at Apollo now for coming up on three years. So it's more or less kind of 30, 36 board meetings I've now been at. Um, you get to know the, the individuals, uh, and, and you can you can kind of tailor your your kind of board deck accordingly. Um, I, I don't think there is a one size fits all. I do think um, simply it's often better. And if RevOps are there, and if like the kind of FP&A team is there, and, and the rest of the leadership, like they can add the color and the context which they which they have at, at hand. Got it. And it, because you're here, I just want to pick your brain uh, with one more question related to this, which is, you know, having you mentioned you've been in 30 some board meetings today already with Apollo. 
Were there any questions that a board member had asked um, that, you know, your team hadn't previously thought of where you're like, oh, wow, like that makes sense. And I want to incorporate that every single presentation moving forward. Um, yeah, I mean, like almost certainly. Uh, I think that there's probably been questions that have driven the content of future board decks. Um, I think one of them probably just is probably like churning accounts, to, like the top 10 and kind of why, just some like um, kind of granular context. Um, but there's, there's like the, the border have a wide background of, of experience, like learning their experience and like using that to fold into kind of how we decide to run our respective teams. Like, it's a hugely valuable um, part of the business. And I think like in our, in our most recent round, bringing, bringing Bain on, um, brings a, like, a new level of sophistication to the table that would really like help accelerate Apollo's journey. And that's true of when we had Sequoia join for our, our Series C and, and, and all the other kind of um, investors who came on. And you're pointing out some really important reminders, which I think for some of the listeners that we have on the podcast who are up and coming RevOps leaders, or maybe they're inviting getting invited to board meetings for the first time, asked to prepare board decks, um, it can often feel like it's a one directional sort of presentation. But really what you're calling out is obviously based on the board conversation, they're here to help, right? So knowing their backgrounds and knowing what are ways and perspectives they can bring to kind of round out what the team is doing, that's incredibly important. Yeah, 100%. To shift a bit into tech now, we can't not talk about tech when we talk about RevOps, and we obviously can't not talk about tech uh, when we're speaking to the head of RevOps at Apollo. Um, are there any tech stack tools that you personally can't live out? Be that Apollo tech that you're using internally or sort of tech that's out there right now that you're like, oh, this is really just changing the way my team runs its day-to-day. Yeah, I mean, it's going to sound cliche, but Apollo, um, and, and really not just saying that, and I think something that kind of would highlight that outside of how we drink our own champagne um, by using Apollo internally is I, I was an Apollo customer before I joined Apollo. Um, so I was an Apollo customer back in 2017, really, really early days, um, and probably was a customer for about four, just over four years. In that four-year time period, we probably spent $60,000 wasn't a huge contract value, but I like we generated $4.4 million of direct sales revenue. And we attributed about $3 million incremental dollars to our marketing campaigns by being able to fold in all of the enrichment data. So like the ROI on that was like absolutely staggering. One deal in particular, I think was $800,000 from a cold outbound deal with a 30-day sales cycle. Uh, I remember when the rep closed that, it was just like a phenomenal achievement and it was fully it was fully Apollo so um definitely drank the Kool-Aid there very very early on prior to joining Apollo and, and I think as I mentioned Casey who leads growth ops uh to book a thousand just over a thousand meetings for sales in a quarter um if you look at like just general benchmarks in SaaS you're probably talking at like 250 dollars at the low end um for like the cost per meeting. So in terms of what we're generating in value from one person using the tool, it's a quarter million dollars of, of, of pipeline generated. Um, so yeah, just couldn't 
really couldn't do it without Apollo, whether whether it, at Apollo or, or or in any other modern go-to-market stack. We leverage our product data pretty heavily. So I think uh, we, we've actually partnered with Census uh, on multiple product integrations. So Census is a reverse ETL tool. Um, and, and that enables a lot of the ops team to just use basic SQL query to extract data from our data warehouse and pull it into other go-to-market systems. So Casey's using that in our automated SDR. We're using it to put product data into HubSpot. Um, it, we, we, we worked with Census to build a direct partnership so you can actually reverse ETL into Apollo, uh, which is super cool. Um, and then I think Lubka, which is our BI tool. Uh, that's where all of our insights come from. I think the stage of company we're at, or, or even we were at a couple of years ago, being able to model those complex data from multiple sources, transform that together, it's like critical to be able to develop a, a kind of modern go-to-market growth strategy. Like really I love a lot of our decisions. Yeah, I think what you mentioned towards the end here around making sure that that product and usage data can flow back into, be that your CRM or your marketing ops systems, that's such a key component of a SaaS company being able to have this coordinated cross-functional motion. And um, it's incredible to hear just the way you've thought through and, and, and built it up over time. Earlier, when you were talking about um, sort of cross-functional initiatives, you had also mentioned Apollo having a qualified account functionality. I'm curious if you wanted to talk a little yeah, bit more about so that. This, because this is this is a really exciting one. Um, RevOps really drove like uh, cross-functionally, uh, but then within all of ops from systems, um, the ops team and, and the BI team, uh, building a product qualified account motion. Um, so we get we get a huge number of signups per week, um, probably about fifty thousand signups um sorting through that it's, it's trying to it's really like a needle in the haystack um it's not it's not scalable without without some help um so we we built a really sophisticated uh pqa uh motion to identify the top scoring teams within apollo that looks at kind of weekly active users like to, to set a level then cut by contact and account demographic scores and then cut by like a product fit score as well. So like, is it a free to pay? Is it, is it, an, up, is it an upsell? Is it a cross sell to um, maybe conversation intelligence, which is a new product we've recently launched. Um, and that's all based on like quantified signals that the BI team were like instrumental in, in identifying. Um, and what that does is spit out a pretty good number of, um, of leads for sales that are high propensity value, but potentially also based on like the behavioral patterns we've seen, high friction to purchase. So like really things that warrant bringing in a sales human intervention to guide that deal, nurture it and bring it forward. Um, so that launched last week, uh, two weeks ago, um, and has already driven a pretty significant volume of, of, of pipeline for sales. So very, very excited to see how that, that starts to shape up and develop over the coming coming months. The way I'm understanding what you just said is that in addition to traditional sort of intent platforms out there, be that your Sixth Sense demand basis of the world and ZoomInfo, um, which is much more top of funnel, by developing 
this qualified account functionality, Apollo is able to kind of close that gap in between, especially for PLG motion companies, and take that product usage data and incorporate into a, a part of that scoring so that sales doesn't need to be kind of shuffling through the 50,000 signups a week and actually reach out to people who have meaningful interaction with your platform. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's the idea. Very cool. So Henry, you mentioned benchmarks and mentioned before Bain's involvement in this latest round. Um, I'm, I'll be curious to check in with you after a period of time to see if you've come across OpEx Engine, uh, which is uh, a technology that Bain acquired a few years back that does financial benchmarks. They also do sales ops benchmarking uh, for SaaS companies. So pro probably not yet. You've had your hands full this past month, but I'll be interesting. Be interested to hear. Yeah, but sounds sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, Opex engine is it's it's a great great team. We've known them for years. So Henry, I'm curious about the next big big disruption in RevOps. Uh, do you have any thoughts in mind on what what that might be? Uh, I think right now maybe tech stack consolidation, and it could be good. Could be could be negative. Um, I think depending on what's driving it. So there's obvious economic headwinds for a lot of companies right now, which will be forcing that consolidation. But there's also a lot of um, just product consolidation happening. And as anyone who's been kind of deep in, in kind of the ops world, especially on the system side, like the more pieces that you put into your kind of revenue stack, the more points of failure you you potentially open up. And so I think that's where Apollo can be really, really effective. It's like we have eight or nine core product, like product lines within within the tool, all of which have um, pretty sophisticated integrations into kind of Salesforce or kind of other tools. If you can consolidate three or four down into one, and kind of managing that that one tool makes everyone's lives a lot easier. Um, but notwithstanding, like a lot of time and investment goes into building like. On a, on a rev up side goes into building these kind of tech stacks out. And so unpacking that can, can create a lot of risk and a lot of um, uh, headache and, and kind of resource uh, resource use. So uh, disruptive on a, on a kind of good slash potentially, potentially negative side. Um, and then probably cliche at the moment, but I think AI will have a, a pretty big impact. Um, I think operators that know how to leverage that to make themselves more productive. We'll see a huge boost uh, in output to the team. I don't think like AI is not going to come and take RevOps jobs. I think it's more like how we utilize that to um, to just to make the team more effective. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, I'm just back from Salesforce's Dreamforce conference. And not only was the whole conference AI driven, every keynote had AI splashed throughout it. I spent day zero, the day before the event at the tower inhaling AI um, content for the day uh, is really quite something. So there's still a lot to be unveiled and still a lot to be developed, but uh, it's it's certainly exciting what that impact will be on RevOps. Mm. So Henry, we'd like to talk to you about, we'd like to talk about you now. Uh, you uh, live in New York City. You uh, studied in the University of West of England. Uh, I believe, is that in Bristol? It is, yeah. You studied 
property development and planning. You did a master of planning and uh, built environment. Uh, I'm sure that lent nicely to your time at Breather. This makes me curious, how did you get into SaaS RevOps? Uh, good question. So yeah, originally, um, originally was in, in the real estate world, um, more on the corporate finance side, did that for four or five years. Um, so that was obviously kind of very finance heavy, um, very kind of numbers heavy, very, very slow deal cycles and like large, large deals. Um, so moved from that into more kind of straight finance sales, uh, kind of city of London world for, for a couple of years and then ended up uh, joining a startup, which was similar to Breather. It was a kind of aggregator of um, uh, corporate workspace um, in, in a kind of similar Airbnb fashion. Did that for about a year and a half, sold that um, pretty early on, which was which was exciting. And that's kind of when I joined Breather, but kind of shifted into, into SaaS world through kind of real estate SaaS. And then uh, COVID came along and uh, real estate SaaS or real estate in general took a hit there. So kind of moved more into, into pure SaaS, but I've always had that kind of RevOps um, finance strategic side from, from kind of even pre, uh, pre-technology. So you're coming up on three years at Apollo. If you could turn around and give yourself advice back on day one at Apollo, what would you say? Um, it's a good question. I, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's things I would have done differently. I'm sure there's uh, things that I would have prioritized in a different way. Um, but on the whole, just enjoy it. Like it's been a it's been a phenomenal growth trajectory. I think the um, product team building out a world-class product-led motion that is complementary to our go-to-market sales team as well. It doesn't cannibalize sales. Like the two work in concert very, very well. Um, and, and it's just led to absolutely phenomenal growth in the last three years. Um, so I would have probably, probably said, enjoy that. Take it in. You've really demonstrated this meteoric rise through RevOps, um, starting out doing RevOps in the real estate industry, joining uh, the SaaS space, and of course, now you're SVP of RevOps and Partnerships. I would love to know if you had a lifetime career bucket list, what might be on that career bucket list that you'd eventually want to get to? Experiences, be that in SaaS or another industry, um, other businesses, other ideas, what might be motivating you ultimately uh, to get to this really, really cool next role or position? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I definitely have career aspirations, like like everyone, I'm sure. Um, I think I'm pretty happy with that current trajectory. Right now, I'm focused on Apollo and like making, I, I think Apollo is, uh, is a great success story, but like that story is is definitely not finished. Um, there's a lot still to do. There's a lot of growth ahead of us, and and like title's great, but being a, being a part of something like Apollo is is it's far superior. And so, um, really, just focused on, on on building the best company that we can. What I'm hearing is just that pure thrill of being on a rocket ship that's shooting straight up for the stars. So that's really, really exciting to hear that you're enjoying the process wholeheartedly. Yeah, 
100%. Leading RevOps and certainly helping grow the team through these rounds of funding can, I would say, maybe take over your life, at the very least, be very, very intense. Are there things you do regularly to unwind from what has to be the insanity of this kind of uh, fast-paced growth? Yeah, I mean, there probably should be. I, I, I have a terrible work-life balance. Uh, I, I'm not going not gonna to suggest anything else. I have two young kids who um, are, like, I spend most of my non-working time uh, with. We're obviously relatively new to New York, having moved from London a couple of years ago. So just generally like either exploring the city or just going kind of further afield. Um, and then a big foodie, like whether that's cooking or, or going out. I think that's uh, that tends to be pretty cathartic and a good way to switch off. Certainly being in New York City, there's lots and lots of cool things to do with uh, with little ones. So I'm excited for you and your family. So given the pace that you've been operating at the last number of years, I'm really curious uh, how quickly you've grown your team, the rounds of funding, uh, the intensity of the work. Where, where do you turn for your own RevOps learning? Uh, that's a good question. I think um, depends on on what I'm trying to learn. Um, I think there's a ton of resources. So kind of read and read as much as I can, listen to kind of some great podcasts. Um, always try and think from like first principles, but having that guided by like others' experiences is is super important. I have I also have a great, incredible network of operators that I've kind of met over the past kind of 10 years or so, um, like Brad Smith at Sonar, Matt Curl at Checker, Pete Kazanji at Atrium, like a lot of, um, just to name a few, but like a lot of people in my network that you kind of bounce ideas off of, um, when, especially when you're coming up against kind of very, very new, very specific uh, problems we're trying to solve for. Uh, it helps to get that perspective of others who have either been there or who kind of uh, aren't so close to it. That, that they can take a, a step back and ask some questions that maybe people have missed. And since, you know, we're always on the lookout for great uh, podcast podcast guests, it sounds like Brad and Pete and the the, the person at Checker would be uh, good suggestions. Yeah, I think so. Fantastic. And we'll include um, links to their uh, LinkedIn profiles in the, in the show notes. So thank you for sharing that. So Henry, where can people find you? Are you out on social media these days? Uh, LinkedIn. I okay. Mean, um, not not hiding on there, so pretty easy to find. And it's just under Henry Mizell. That's great. Um, and tell us about uh, finding your company website. Yeah, so just Apollo.io. Um, we it's fully self-serve, free forever. So you can sign up, get started within like five minutes. Um, well, that's pretty cool. Henry, it's really been a pleasure having you on the podcast today. I've certainly learned a lot. I'm really impressed. Anytime I hear that someone goes from being a customer from for even for four years, spending 60,000 generating 4.4 million, I mean, that's incredible, to then joining the company and leading the charge uh, for, the, for the growth in RevOps. That's uh, pretty cool. Uh, you shared with us about the automated SDR program, booking a thousand meetings without a human. I mean, my mind sort of... Ex- blowing up over here. 
Uh, and I really appreciated you sharing even just RevOps, not only having a seat at the leadership table, but also um, in the board meetings as well. It's really, really super. So thank you so much for sharing your your experiences and all your learnings uh, with our listeners. No, it's my pleasure. It's been fun. And I want to thank our audience for joining us today and taking an inside peek at the latest unicorn uh, in the form of Apollo.io. So glad to have you on the show, Henry. And I would encourage everyone who's listening to follow Henry on LinkedIn and certainly subscribe and follow this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again for being on the show, Henry. Thank you. And this has been another exciting episode of RevOps Rockstars. See you next time. Stay classy, Rockstars. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you so much for joining us. For show notes and other episodes, visit RevOpsRockstars.com. RevOps Rockstars is sponsored by OpFocus. Visit OpFocus.com to learn more about how OpFocus helps SaaS companies scale their revenue operations. 